Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about Season of the Worthy. We got the the trailer and the launch page. I'm going to walk through everything we know right now and talk about what I think and what I'm looking forward to. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. If you don't want to catch me live and you're watching on YouTube, you can hit like, share, subscribe. You can leave a comment. You can hit the little bell button, and I greatly appreciate you doing that. So Season of the Worthy, went. the trailer went live. It was actually pretty cool. We finished our talk and Griffin came in stream and like dropped the link in chat and we clicked on it and watched it. The trailer is amazing. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, I strongly encourage you to watch it. Their use of music was right on the money. Saint 14 announcing Trials is really sounding really good. I'm looking forward to Trials a lot. Gonna, I'm going to be doing some fun things with Trials, so be sure to watch the channel and the feeds for that. So I'm just going to kind of walk through what they outline and what's going to be going on. So sort of the first thing they gave us was save the last city. So there is going to be a story element going on with Anna Bray and uh, Zavala. It doesn't actually seem like Osiris is really present in the story. And the lore that they released on Bungie.net seemed to indicate that he's going out at the at the behest or at the instruction of Rasputin. He's going out to do something. Maybe go into a pyramid ship and get something. We're not really sure like what exactly he's doing, but he's he's doing something for Rasputin. So it doesn't seem like Osiris is going to have a presence. It seems like he's kind of handing off the torch to Zavala and Anna Bray to kind of pick things up. So apparently there was a Scion flare that d- enacted some desperate ploy of revenge and the Almighty, if you remember the Almighty from the main story is slowly uh, descending uh, to Earth and is going to crash into the last city. So that's sort of the 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 springboard into the story and we're you know we're going to have to t- try and stop this thing but we're not going to be able to do it on our own we need to power up Rasputin so there's going to be these Seraph towers that we're going to be using as defenses uh, that's like a shared public event thing there's going to be bounties there's going to be these things called bunkers there's going to be these things called legendary lost sectors the the Seraph towers the bunkers and the legendary lost sectors are actually all different they're, they might be connected but they're separate things that is some confusion there that was clarified by Cosmo that they're separate activities, they're not uh, the same thing. Because if you go down to the calendar, it mentions the bunkers and the legendary lost sectors in the same like sort of swing, and I think a lot of you all thought they were the same thing. They're actually not. Uh, the EDZ, the Moon, and IO are all getting those bunkers. If you go all the way down to the calendar, you can see Seraph bunkers on the EDZ and Moon. It starts, it starts day one, March 10th, that's probably the EDZ, and then March 24th is probably the Moon. And then April the 7th is IO, and we don't quite understand exactly what role those will be playing, but that is essentially the core activity. So this is a jettison of the six-man match-made activity idea of Vex Offensive and Sundial. These are shared public events, as well as bunkers and lost sectors that, according to the pictures, look like three-man activities. And then obviously the shared public events could be up to like nine or something. So it seems that in this season they've moved away from the idea of having a six-man matchmade activity that you go into and is either man, you know, you go in with a full team or not, going more toward the idea of the shared public events, and then it shrinks down to a three-man fire team for either the bunkers or the legendary lost sectors. So I like this idea. I think it's going to feel different. If you remember when Sundial came out, folks were saying, I don't know if every single season we're going to be able to enjoy, you know, 
Menagerie 2.0 every single season. So I think Bungie was smart in their decision to say, well, what we're going to do is a little bit different in Season of the Worthy. It's going to feel more like a public space injection of life, something that you can kind of go and do akin to and similar to Escalation Protocol, something that's kind of just happening in the public space as opposed to something that you just constantly are matchmaking into. The other big announcement, obviously, on the calendar, and we got a few more details about it, is Trials of Osiris. We knew this was coming, so this wasn't like a big surprise for anybody, but we did get a little bit more details about it. We know that it's free to play, but the 960 power level requirement is exciting to see. That means free to play players that may have gotten banned and created a new account. They will not be able to just jump back right in and use their aim bots and their cheats and their hacks. They will have to grind up to 960. I'm not sure how fast that goes. If it only takes a week or two, how many hours in a given week does that actually represent? You know, a hardcore player can hit 960 in a week or two, but that probably requires good RNG and lots and lots of hours. So I'm curious, on average, what the grind the 960 is going to look like as a decent buffer to keep people from just jumping right in to trials. Now, we know that there's news coming on anti-cheat. According to the German uh, community manager, Maurice, he indicated that there's two TWABs left before trials and that anti-cheat will be discussed at some point in time. So the, the, the grind the 960 is there as a buffer, but also... It, apparently we're going to be getting some sort of information about anti-cheat. Hopefully it's really, really good news. The other information indicated here is that you will get uh, loot in a couple of, of ways in trials. Now, they don't say anything about bounties, so we, that, that remains to be seen if they're going to kind of do the, the bounty system that I've been advocating for. The bounty system that was in place before Rise of Iron, I think, was the best. That kept a lot of people in trials. I think you want casuals in trials. You don't want casuals in the lighthouse, but you want casuals in trials. You don't want them to vacate trials, and I think bounties are a great way to get them in there they don't have to go flawless they can get loot the loot in the lighthouse obviously needs to be better but you want this funnel full of players it does say here get multiple wins in a row to earn pinnacle gear win seven in a row to earn additional rewards and special access to the lighthouse so nothing there says that we are getting boons that maybe there will be a one mercy boon but it does seem to indicate that seven in a row is the requirement for flawless and multiple wins in a row will get you pinnacle so they may be going back to the win three win five win seven lighthouse situation that they did in the past every time you got to win three or five you got loot Um, it was once per week though and that seems to be true here as well since they say you'll earn pinnacle gear so that'll be a way to gear up if you're trying to get to the above the 960 they've intrinsically I just thought of this they've intrinsically given you trials players a way to slowly level up if you're worried about falling behind on the power advantage now the artifacts not playing a role but your gear score will be playing a role and th- and since they're giving you uh, pinnacle gear at wins three and five that's actually a really really good way to keep you uh, moving that pinnacle score up as opposed to having to go and do other things now you might during the week want to go run other pinnacle activities but at the very least they're making trials a source of pinnacle gear which goes hand in hand with power advantage being enabled um there's oh there's also a hat and a pin you can get from bungie rewards that's obviously kind of cool uh the, the, the every time they come up with icons the the iconography of bungie uh of destiny has always been so so good so that's understandable that they would do something like that uh lastly let's talk about exotics armor guns and and the past so 
Exotics we know of two for sure and there's pretty strong and concrete speculation about a third. So we know about Tommy's matchbook. It's an auto rifle. They show it to you here. There's gameplay of it in the trailer. The fourth horseman's all over the place. It's in the pictures. Uh, they even show it as a, there's a high res version picture of it and it's also in the concept art and it's also in the trailer. There is a third exotic that we think can be uh, named here. So Tommy's the Tommy's matchbook, the fourth horseman, and then a heavy slug thrower. Uh, in the trailer, there is a giant, almost like minigun chain gun that we saw. And if you compare that image to the images of the Cabal guys, the big Colossus guys that carry those th- slug throwers, it is a one-to-one match. So it seems like we're going to be getting an exotic that is that giant chain gun slug thrower that the Cabal use. That's pretty exciting. Hopefully that thing's a monster and actually good at DPS. Maybe put Put some machine guns back on the map again for endgame loadout so that's pretty cool russian style armor uh is is the next thing i want to talk about of oh, the artifacts right there too the sword uh, artifact doesn't seem like we're going to get to use the sword but it's an artifact that we're going to power up Anna's holding the dagger it seems like that you can pull out of this but i don't know if they're going to turn it into a melee weapon Here's a picture of the armor. If you're listening to the audio version, you have to look this up elsewhere. I actually think the Russian style armor here, and then the more warm mind plain Jane seasonal armor. This armor right here is actually the uh, the ornamentation. So when it looks like this, it's green and kind of Russian looking. It is uh, those are the ornaments, and the more plain looking armor that we saw in the trials trailer that has a bit of a warm mind feel to it. That's the seasonal armor that you get. I actually really like this. I know we've joked. I have a Lono Pepe emote because uh, the Titan helmet reminds us of Pepe. Uh, the frog, you know, from Twitch chat. I, I said that it looks like a freaking, um, it looks like a Brussels sprout. But in general, I actually think the armor looks dope. It is memorable. It's memorable and unique. You don't have to like it aesthetically to admit that it's pretty memorable and unique, and it goes hand in hand with the theme of Rasputin and Russians. Uh, the guns, the seasonal guns look awesome. I love that they look like actual weapons in the world. I always like that about hockey weapons in the Kvostov and these weapons are right in that line. That auto rifle is super dope and with the auto rifle buff incoming, uh, even though it's a slight bump, hopefully auto rifles can get some play. And then another machine gun, that's not the machine gun exotic that we saw in the trailer, that's a different one. We've done a lot of side-by-side comparisons and another hand cannon and another sidearm. So I love the style. I love the the Saint 14 style of weapons, and I love this style here that looks more like you know soldier combat style weapons. The pass looks good. I'm not going to go through the season pass and look at everything with you, but the pass looks good. Uh, you know, having a, a the Valkyrie being included in a finisher is pretty dope. Uh, seeing some cool things in the trailers from that as well. Uh, no details yet on like the artifact mods and the power bump that's coming in the TWAB. Overall, I am looking forward to this structure. If you look at the calendar, the events, the tower, the Grandmaster Nightfall, Guardian Games is a new is is the new like probably like the Empyrean Foundation. Looks like there's going to be something in the tower that we're shoving stuff into for Hunter Warlock or Titan, like little moat banks there in the tower. I think this looks pretty good and pretty promising. And a bit, a bit of a departure from the seasons we've had up to now, so it should feel fresh and new, and not samey like the ones we've had up to now. And the weapons and the exotics and the armor, I think, look really, really promising as a loot pursuit for us to chase. As always, we're going to go to question and answer next. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. 
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about Season of the Worthy, all the details and trailer and everything that we got from Bungie. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. And if you're on YouTube, hitting like, share, subscribe, and hitting the little bell button is a great way to help me out. So many people uh, in new names and, and, and people commenting on my YouTube videos recently. Thank you for all that continued support. Let's jump right into the first question from Ryland Prince with Luke talking about summer being like something we have never seen could you see the season ended with something that is true and lasting effect on the game example an area being changed leading into season 11 we could fundamentally succeed in stopping the almighty but we could also not quite succeed we could redirect it crash land it or something we could wound it so it lands somewhere in the edz somebody had this idea yesterday so this idea is not original to me yesterday's q a session had somebody that outlined that they said that you know what if they what if they decided to change the edz permanently with the almighty actually crashing i kind of like that that would be kind of cool you could add a new area you could add a new lost sector you could have you could go on to the almighty as part of the edz i like that idea i think that's pretty cool i don't know if bungie's gonna want to do that i don't know if they have the space allotment for that um it's just one of those things where you're gonna have to be always cognizant we as the users always cognizant of the fact that like Bungie can't add really huge giant areas anymore they're more than likely saving space for the dreadnought they may be saving space for something else you know there could be another thing that is uh there could be something else coming beyond the dreadnought i think it's i'm pretty confident the dreadnought's still coming but there could be another space there could be another planet that they have saved for september of next year and they have to kind of save space on the table for that stuff right they're adding little things here and there but they can't add much i love the idea i love the idea of that being like a that's the evolving world um so and apparently, guys, the Micro Center $300 discount's not working correctly right now. Um, so, 18-minute uh, pickup in store still working, but the $300 thing is not. So, the little ad that'll pop up every once in a while. I just got notification from our my partnership on that that that's actually not working at the present time. So, they're working on resolving it. Um, so, I love the idea of the world evolving. I love the idea of the 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 summer the summer becoming like a a time where everything changes and everything gets awesome but i also think that that we need to set our expectations in the realm of maybe the summer is the beginning of what luke smith talked about in his director's cut and a revigoration of core activity so the whole game gets reinvigorated maybe it's an age of triumph or something i don't know i think it's a little bit early for age of triumph I think the the sunsetting thing that Luke Smith talked about kind of sets the stage that Destiny is going to continue a little bit longer than some of us than some not me but when some people thought we were only going to get maybe another year. To me, if you're only going to get another year, it doesn't make any sense to do sunsetting. Anything you get in September, getting sunset a year later, doesn't make sense if 2021 is the launch date of Destiny Three. If 2021 is the is the launch of, of Destiny 3, you don't need to sunset anything. Well, you don't need to do this system. Sunsetting seems to indicate that we would at the very least go all the way to 2022. Given that reality, I don't think an Age of Triumph moment is going to happen until we're in the final year of Destiny, which 
to me is not is clearly not this summer so this summer could be something more along the lines of what he hinted at a let's reinvigorate the core gameplay the core activities and keep things um moving and maybe that could be a really good setup for september you know september could september could be this this really big dlc and this dreadnought coming and taking queen etc and it'd be a really good time to say now is when sunsetting begins now is when a new era of weaponry begins and we kind of had this crescendo summer moment where we were going into old content we were going into all these old areas and getting all this cool stuff and then we go into september um you know ready to go so if Microsider wants to give me $300 store credit since it didn't save me money on Saturday, I will gladly go in and buy more stuff this weekend. Yeah, Bowers, I would get in touch with them. I'm kind of, that's that's a bit of a bummer that the 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 thing, the very reason that people might be using the going and using it and it's not working. So hopefully they can get it resolved quickly as well as taking care of somebody like yourself. Lord of Time. Thoughts on Bungie shying away from another six-man matchmade activity? That's a good question. I, I touched on this briefly in the talk, but I didn't say much. To me, I think this is a good move. I, I think it was Datto who, who was concerned after Sundial came out. He was like, are we going to want to do this every season? Are we going to want to do like a Menagerie 2.0 every season? And I said I was confident they weren't going to do that. They weren't going to copy pasta Sundial every single season. I, I, I kind of... I had confidence Bungie wouldn't be that that uh, that short-sighted. I know people are like, oh, it's Bungie, typical Bungie, you know, but Menagerie and Sundial were a, a long period apart, okay? You know, Menagerie landed in the summer and Sundial landed in the, in the winter. They, they had some time between them. They weren't back-to-back. And to be fair, Vex Offensive was not very menagerie sundial feeling i know they were similar because they were sort of linear almost like a six-man strike but i was pretty confident they weren't going to do that i mean they they, they know that people enjoy content for a season and they kind of want to leave it behind so i'm kind of glad that my my hope and my trust is is sort of being being given it's oh you were right because i was kind of worried i was like what if they did this though? What if they came up with an internal background mechanism that makes it really easy to make this kind of content and we do get like we do get basically another season of another six man match made activity. Um so I was I was really really excited when I saw that. I was like, "Okay, cool. They're moving away. It's not a six man match made and it sounds completely different. It's you got this nice big public space feels more akin to Escalation Protocol and then we're going to go down in the bunkers as well as a separate thing, Legendary Lost Sectors." So, I I am excited to see it it be different and a little bit more fresh. I'm anticipating people being like, "It's just Escalation Protocol or Forges 2.0." I'm I'm ready for that. I'm ready for people to, you know, make that criticism, but I would rather Bungie use existing mechanics that they know get you know work well and get the job done, and focus more on new environments, bosses, and loot, new enemies and loot. Like th- there's some type of a robot that shoots a javelin from its back. Like I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's shooting at us or we can use it. Who knows? But I don't care if we're throwing balls. Like that doesn't ever really bother me. So, Fet Forty Four. 
What are you hoping to get out of the Guardian Games event? To me, I think it's going to be a continued evolution of the community events that they've been doing. The tower will update. It looks like there's little, there's flags. It looks like there's plaques. Maybe that'll light up or something. There's the three moat banks, you know, for Hunter's Titan and Warlock. I love the idea of us doing something as a community and it being kind of tracked in the tower. Uh, hopefully, it's a better iteration of the, the Empyrean Foundation. They can't apply too much of what they learned from Empyrean Foundation foundation because it's so close but guardian games is a little bit a ways away so maybe they could make some changes because i do think empyrean foundation was good but i don't know if we want to do this every end of season i don't think every end of season you want people standing in the dadgum tower pressing buttons and getting stuff pressing buttons and getting stuff it's fine empyrean restoration was was cool and it did the job but we don't want to press copy paste on that every season it's a, it's a good way to end the season super generous nobody can really claim they didn't have a chance to get a god roll but at the same time we don't need that to be the literal oh every season ends with us standing in the tower getting tons of gear for pressing a button so i hope it's more about go out in the world and do stuff and by doing that you're going to earn these moats you're going to come to the tower and bank those moats but there doesn't need to be a time where i'm just like living in the tower with a Scrooge McDuck size, you know, moat or coin bank that I can shove into this thing in the tower like we ended up with Fractaline. So next question, remorse. Hey, Lono, do you think trials could or should have matchmaking or do you think we will need a team? It should not have matchmaking. It will not have matchmaking. And I think that's a good call. It's not that type of an environment. It's PVP's raid. Okay. It's not designed for people to matchmake in there. That's that's not the type of content that it is. So we always need to remember when we ask something of a piece of content, it needs to respect the identity of the content. If you're going to download a game that prides itself on being a wonderful solo narrative story-driven game and you ask of that content for a multiplayer, four-player co-op experience, you're asking something of the content it did not set out to do. Maybe you're playing through uh, a single-player game like Tomb Raider or Uncharted or it centers around a central figure and character and and uh, you, you know, unveiling narrative and you want four player co-op. So sometimes I think people need to remember when you look at a raid, when you look at trials, you can't ask something of it that it's not setting out to do. Trials is not setting out to be just another multiplayer PVP environment. It sets out to be a, like a mini, a mini sweaty tournament area. It's not a tournament, but it's the idea. It's a similar idea of a tournament, right? You have to win to advance. If you win enough games, you advance to the primo area. It's it's kind of like a miniature self-contained tournament every weekend where you get your team and you go as far as you can. And there's no losers bracket. You just you start over and can try again. So it's not setting out to be another match-made PvP environment. Asking it to be that is is akin to saying, well, a raid should do that. A raid should have matchmaking. I've changed my position on raid matchmaking. All it took was a couple bad matchmakes and menagerie for me to see. Raid matchmaking would probably not be a good idea. So, And also getting some input from Luke on you know, visual teaching of, you know, players. It, it, it has to be visually educating you if it is... Uh, 
if it is a match made environment so and yes guys the the helmet the the helmet from season of the worthy kind of made us chuckle i thought it looked like a brussels sprout then we started saying it looked like pepe uh we now have a lono pepe emote that is this titan helmet uh with pepe's face on it it was too good to not use as an emote it actually turned out better than i expected i like it way more than i thought i would so enjoy lono pepe <laughs> t-main with all these new bunkers next season, could we possibly see a hidden bunker dungeon? And what would be your ideal dungeon bunker? I'm going to show you something that I think might be, I'm going to give you a might, it might be a hint at what you're talking about. This one looks particularly ominous and particularly unique in that it's like green and kind of spooky, right? A lot of the other entrances and things that we're seeing are, it's open air, it's, you're going to fight and then you're going to go down, it's very clean and crisp, and you you look at these dungeons in these underground areas and it's all metallic and robotic and whatever this one here has a particular feel to it i i i read this and i see something else i see that could be maybe as you're saying some sort of a dungeon thank you for all the lono pepe spam guys um so uh is this a spam group or what chat? Yeah, I, I was just, I mentioned an emote and that's what happens on Twitch. If you mention an emote, people spam it. So I don't know. I don't want to read too deep into the tea leaves. I don't want to look at a picture and be like, yep, there's going to be a dungeon, but that could be like a spin, uh, a whisper of the worm outbreak perfected location, like a secret dungeon that opens or something throughout the season. I, I don't know. Cause think about it. Um, that reminds me of the cabal elevators, like the one that we take up to fight the arms dealer that entrance feels cabal-esque to me and we know there's the potential of an exotic cabal weapon from the pictures right that big giant uh, slug thrower that we looked up maybe that's the secret exotic mission and maybe we go down into like a cabal bunker that has that it's like a hidden exotic bunker like whisper and like um like outbreak I'm sorry. Yeah, Whisper and Outbreak. So, uh, we've had some subs. Two new subs. A new one from K, uh, K Geezy and I am RJ. Thank you guys for the brand new subs. Enjoy the dope badge emotes and the ad-free viewing. Robbie, did I thank you for 16 months? Thank you, Robbie, for 16 months of subs. Funk the Buddha. In the future, when we look back at previous seasons at D2, what is your prediction for why and how we remember Season of the Worthy? I mean, I will think. I, I think season of the worthy is is uh, is going to be memorable because of Rasputin. Personally, um, I think Rasputin is one of the cooler, you know, narratives in the game. I was kind of disappointed that Warmind ended and we hadn't heard. We, we've done nothing with him since. I was actually really disappointed about that because I thought the end of Warmind was fantastic when we went in there, and basically Rasputin was like, "Get the frick out! Like I'm a god, right?" Sorry, my nose is really bothering me today. Okay, that's better. I liked that. I thought that was excellent. I thought him being like, get out of here. Like, I'm a god, basically. And he wasn't, like, threatening. He was just like, I don't answer to you. I also liked how at the end of Warmind, he refers to himself as a guardian. I really liked that. I thought that was cool. And so I was like, man, I'm kind of bummed about that. I'm kind of bummed that, you know, um, Rasputin just faded faded into the background, right? And so for me... It's great to have him front and center. I also really like all of the Warmind aesthetic. I also like Trials. I think the most memorable thing people are probably going to look back and think back on is the return of Trials. Now, 
are they going to remember it in a fond way? Like, it was great, or is it going to be a total disaster? (laughs) I happen to think they know what they're doing. I don't think they would have brought this out of retirement unless they really, really made good preparations. Um, The German community manager said there's two twas before trials, and they will address... They will be addressing anti-cheat. So, uh, in light of that, I am hopeful that this will go well, and I think that will be one of the things that's memorable is the return of Trials, uh, as well as, you know, Rasputin coming back front and center, because I, I think he's a cool character. Uh, Leopard, or Black Leopard. Hey, Lono, I was thinking with Trials coming, and it's still being power-enabled and locked at 960, what do you think about Bungie letting people get pinnacle gear from Strikes, Crucible, Gambit, Resets, uh, long enough of a grind that it would be super easy to get and would allow people to grind for power instead of waiting a week, week to week? Well, here's the thing you gotta understand. 960's not pinnacle anymore. You can get to 960 by grinding your milestones and doing all of your, doing all the content and just playing, right? So in light of that, I would say that they they don't need to suddenly flood the game with pinnacles. If anything, that would be sort of a, a problem with, with the fact that if if you're playing trials and getting pinnacles, and I'm taking the time to do dungeons and raids and whatever to get pinnacles, that's that's something that you have to do to to like really push yourself a little bit higher. You kind of undercut that entire grind if you start putting pinnacles everywhere. So no, I don't agree with that. I don't think that would be a good idea. Gab. If legendary lost sectors are based on the lost sectors we have already instead of new ones, what would the, be the reason to take them away at the end of the season? Hard lost sectors, with a reason to do them, could be good for the game long term. Not bad. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. This could be a way for them to make it feel a little less painful when the season ends. Like, instead of it being like, Sundial, gone. Obelisks, gone. Bounties and weapon frames, gone. It could be like, well, the Seraph Towers are gone. These things here. Like, these things are going to go away. That system's probably going to shut itself down. Or we do this, and those systems establish themselves as like a, a protective, you know, shield around the Earth. And it becomes like a fully orbed tower that we don't interact with anymore. It could be something like that, like an evolving game world. We did that. We had an impact on the game world, but we're no longer running that activity. And then the remainder of it could be like, all oh, the legendary lost sectors are going to stick around. I'm curious how the legendary law sector is even going to be initiated is it going to be something that you you do uh, is it going to be like a heroic public event is it going to be like an adventure i don't know i mean i'm actually curious how they're going to do it if it uses existing existing space and assets in the game then i would think it could remain but if it's tied to the content probably not it feels like it's tied to the content so it might go away it it, it it's all seems to work together if you look at it here when it's listed new serif tower public events and bunker activities is listed as like a free thing over here legendary lost sectors is listed as a season pass item that to me c- communicates something that is tied to the entire sort of season that would then be exiting with it I don't honestly know how they're going to do it. Lost Sectors having matchmaking would be weird because Lost Sectors are are like you go in and it's your own instance. DJ uh, D. James. 
Hey Lono, do you think that Grandmaster Nightfalls will finally be the return of amazing aspirational loot that is worthy of being tied to the endgame? I'm gonna give you a no. I don't think so. I think they're building Grandmaster Nightfalls to get started on aspirational endgame content that is tough and that is exciting, but I don't think it's gonna be this new injection of super awesome gear. My theory, and this is based on virtually nothing from Bungie, but this is based on the past. I could see Grandmaster Nightfalls and Trials sort of being equivalent to each other. If you go flawless in Trials, there is Adept Weapons. We, we had this in D1, okay? They've not confirmed they're doing Adept Weapons this time around, so I'm speculating. Trials would then have its sort of capstone peer, like tip of the pyramid, absolute best gear that's Adept. Now, it's not going to be a thousand times better than the rest of the weapons, but like it's like a nice... It's like a nice thing, you know? It's like a nice little extra something-something. Like the Saint-14 weapons having that extra perk, okay? So, if you... Uh, if you go into Grandmaster Nightfalls, I think there could be Grandmaster loot. So a Grandmaster gun, a Grandmaster you know, piece of armor would have something maybe a little extra on it. I'm leaning more towards Grandmaster Weapons. Similar to the idea of Pinnacles, Rituals, or Adept Weapons, you would have every season, there'd be new Grandmaster loot to go for. So, the Nightfalls themselves don't have to change, and the loot from the bosses doesn't necessarily have to change. You would be grinding for Grandmaster loot. Like, every season they were like here's the new rituals here's the new pinnacles this would be like a here's the new grandmaster loot pool here are the new weapons for for uh for trials and here are the adept versions something like that are these weapons still classified in the database well they're not even in the database yet because the game we haven't downloaded the season dark taco Lono, throughout the lifetime of Destiny 2, some of the best PvE weapons are locked behind PvP quests and vice versa. Do you foresee Trials Adept weapons having intrinsic random elemental roles like they did in D1? Essentially, truly bringing back elemental primaries. Osmosis is booty cheeks. I disagree with you about Osmosis. I like it. Uh, But I understand what you're saying. Like, you want a true elemental... You know, Osmosis is is a bit of a half measure. um, And it's also a perk on your gun that is taken up instead of just having an elemental primary. So I understand where you're coming from. Um, I do not think that's what they're going to do, though. As much as I would like a return of true elemental primaries, I don't think that's what they're going to be doing with Trials. I think it's more likely for them to be adept. I also think it's more likely for Trials weapons to have an intrinsic Trials perk that, like... Maybe you get increased damage if you're the last player alive, right? So if it's a 3v1, you better be careful if it's somebody that knows what they're doing because maybe their their gun's a little bit stronger or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. That might be that might be absurd, but that that's my idea. And then whenever the gun gets sunset, trials is power enabled. That gun gets sunset and can no longer go into trials and be the absolute best it can go down into other pvp and be awesome it doesn't have the trials perk though so like it's not disrupting balance in the rest of the crucible pogway do you think bungie will elaborate more on the new specialized archetypes like the waveframe grenade launcher or do you think the positive feedback on the grenade launcher came too late well luke smith talked about this in the first director's cut and how they place simultaneous bets And they don't necessarily know that we're going to love Ada and hate Reckoning, right? I happen to think they should have kind of known that we would have basically 
really really preferred and flocked to intentionality and targeted farms as opposed to what they did in reckoning i didn't think that that was too hard to deduce from our behavior and our feedback but it is what it is right they they made those two simultaneous bets and they learned in in very clear terms what we thought okay in this scenario, I could see them saying, we don't want to waste a bunch of time developing brand new weapons and weapon frames. Let's see how the community responds first. And then we could see maybe more wave grenade launchers or something in the summer. Like, the people designing stuff for the summer, and they could have been like, oh, they really like that wave one. Let's do two more. Let's do an arc and let's do a void. I could also see Bungie saying, it's a pretty cool grenade launcher. It makes sense. The mechanics kind of already in the game. Let's do a solar this season. And then this coming season could be um, a void. And then in the summer, they could do an arc one. That could be pretty cool. Um, you could also have them behave very, very differently. Like the wave the wave base, right, on the on the solar could do like the, the, the void fire. But then the arc one could do like the pulse that... Uh, like the pulse grenade thing. That wouldn't really feel like a wave though. But still, they could do that. I don't honestly know. I do know that they're probably not going to just keep shoving new archetypes in the game uh, because a lot of the archetypes already work and we're already familiar with them. And there's only so much they can do in the game right now with respect to space and testing and bandwidth. So a bunch of new archetypes are, it's unlikely that that's going to be the result of this. However, it might encourage them to do a couple of new things each season just to kind of give you like a hey did you guys know there's a brand new archetype of xyz in the game i mean that exotic that exotic slug thrower that ain't a machine gun right that's a that's a cabal weapon i mean that would be another example of like that's a brand new thing i mean the xenophage is kind of like that it's not really a machine gun i mean it is but it isn't you know corin says do you think a 140 sniper nerf was un- was necessary i'm not going to comment on the sniper nerfs i'm trusting bungie when they say that it was causing issues in the hard aspirational content that they're trying to design we also don't know what kind of modifiers perks and bonuses we could get to kind of make up the difference uh maybe there's new perks or something i don't know they might have had to do this for other reasons i don't really want to get bogged down into sniper nerf is warranted unwarranted it's dumb i can't believe they did it because we're not even in the new game we're not even in the new content yet we haven't experienced it yet um donnie how long will the season last or isn't it official since the roadmap just goes until the 7th of april the roadmap this is the first time i feel like they're keeping things off the roadmap now we don't have confirmation from bungie that they are keeping things off the roadmap but this is the first time like i i feel that there's not everything's not here because it runs until june and april 7th is the last thing but then it says and more now I, I don't know because like traditionally they at least try to fill the calendar all the way to the end so way up here it says it goes until June 9th and if I go to if I go to the season of dawn calendar right season of dawn calendar goes until March 9th and I come down here they get you a, well maybe not they actually don't get us that much closer to March I mean it goes to the crimson days goes to the 18th and the Empyrean foundation starts on the 4th but 18th right so june 9th and the last thing we see is basically a month before that no wait we're skipping may is not even here yeah this is actually a huge departure sorry i was i'm brain farting um this is actually a big departure because it on the last season past calendar they got us about a month away which makes sense you're like oh there's about a month left 
this ends on April. Guardian Games runs April to May 11th, so I guess that's that's the thing on the calendar that gets us to May. So, but still, May 11th is the end of Guardian Games, right? Crimson Days ran until like a month before you know it rolled over, so I guess it kind of does that. I don't know. Um, the German community manager f- confirmed they heard feedback of too much content shown on the roadmap, so they're keeping things secret. They did say that. I, I guess I'll warrant that. They did say that they didn't want to show too much. Um, I am really confused by the structure here. I'm really confused by the structure. If the bunker, the Sarah bunker begins April 7th, why is it down here at the bottom? That's why I got confused. This bunker begins April 7th, should be up here above Grandmaster Ordeal. That begins on the 21st, and then Guardian Games should be down at the bottom. Guardian Games goes April 21st to May 11th. I feel like the structure is really wacky here. They went for aesthetic balance as opposed to sensible progression. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Another thing that's really, really strange here, the Seraph Bunker for the EDZ begins on March 10th. It's underneath March 13th Trials. Like, it's really odd the way they structured this. I... I don't, I don't know who signed off on it, but for me, it's confusing. It's real easy. I just did it. As someone that's been staring at this for two days, I just did it. I was like, yeah, I don't know, April 7th, when the reality is Guardian Games runs till May 11th. It's just, I don't know. Free on the left, it's two columns. Yeah, I guess it's not a schedule. Oh, is free on the left? No, legendary lost sectors are not free and it's on the left. No, that's not true. Yeah, and then the moon bunkers March 24th. I don't know. It's really weird. It is it is it is really really weird. Yeah, Guardian Games is free to all players. I don't know. There could be things they left off. There could be exotic quests that are left off. There's a lot listed at the top that isn't here. There's an exotic quest that's not on here. Um Iron Banner's not on here. They usually put that on somewhere. Um so yeah I don't know I don't think this is a calendar it doesn't even say that does it hang on a second on the other on the other one does it say yeah season 9 calendar does it say the word calendar anywhere on here no it doesn't season of the worthy this is just like an oh no it says it right above it yeah it says it right here I don't know it's it's not it doesn't say calendar on it it says calendar above it I, <laughs> I don't know this doesn't really feel like a calendar. It doesn't run in chronological order. <laughs> this is weird. This is a little weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's confusing to me. I don't think I, I. I think this does a good job saying here's a bunch of stuff happening. It doesn't do a good job saying here's what to expect week to week. Does that make sense? This is more like a hey. Here's a bunch of stuff that's going on, but it's not like here's the sequence. It's like a big it's like a big billboard for a theme park instead of a map of the theme park of like if you go here 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 and here, here's the order of all the rides. It's just a big map, it's just a big billboard for the theme park. This isn't going to tell you where to go to, to to go from one ride to the next, but and I think that's one of the weird things about it is they've traditionally done this format where there's a clear progression and and like each each week something's kind of happening and obviously this one overlaps a little bit right this one here overlaps a little bit because you had like dawning and and the edz obelisk both on the 17th but then dawning went to the 14th so dawning went beyond this iron banner 
and it also went beyond Legend Sundial and the Devil's Ruin. So there was some overlap there, but it would still it still felt more like a calendar. This feels this feels really really strange to me. I'm not criticizing it. I just wonder what the what the decision making here was because as a as as a player that that you know looks every season to be like what's going on what's happening i think we just kind of grown accustomed to getting a, a calendar of events and that's not what this feels like Leg, uh, legacy uh, will everyone have access to trials of osiris who has the season pass i have it's free to play you just have to be 960 iron hand with weapon retirement coming and while they haven't mentioned they'll do it to exotics do you think that the new exotic weapons i think uh sunsetting of exotic weapons will in- undoubtedly come eventually i think there's plenty of examples in destiny of times where they should have just sunset an exotic instead of nerfing it like touch of malice or izanagi's or galahorn these are weapons that could have just been sunset they didn't need to last for forever and they they hurt they hurt content or would have hurt content. I mean they nerfed they nerfed Touch of Mouse for that specific reason. A lost recon. It looks like Bungie doesn't have a raid plan for year three based on the current seasonal trends. Do you think that we won't get another raid until September? Yeah, I've been saying this. I said this before Shadowkeep came out. There were streamers saying all kind of stuff that I felt like was really unhelpful. Like, oh, I I have it on good authority. There'll be a raid every season. Nope. Uh, I really expect a raid every season. Nope. Bungie will certainly give us raids or at least some raid layers. No, I really don't think so. I, I, I don't. I really don't think they have the bandwidth for it. They lost bandwidth. They literally lost a company that built raids for them. Like, I, I don't know how you could see that loss of bandwidth and and conclude that we would be getting uh, raids. That wasn't the full question. About what? About trials? Um, I haven't figured out how to get the trials icon on my Crucible director and I see everyone with it and I hope it doesn't have anything to do with gaining access to play. You didn't do the Empyrean Foundation. You have to do at least part of the Empyrean Foundation. You need to donate at least the 5,000 I think to get it on your thing. Uh, Lord Jack with the next question. How big is the Almighty in comparison to the last city on Earth? I have no idea. It's freaking enormous, though. I mean, I, <laughs> it's... It would be like a... If it hits the last city, it doesn't really matter. It would be like a meteor hitting the last city. It would destroy it. It would cause a cataclysmic event uh, on you. Since this is in the world activities, do you think there's a chance the bunkers and legendary lost sectors will stay after season's end? Yeah, we already had this question. We already speculated on this. Woods photo. What are some interesting ways Bungie could differentiate a bunker activity from a lost sector? Well, lost sectors are not mechanically based. You go in and kill the person. The, well, I, I well, I hang on. I shouldn't say that. There's a ra- there's a couple of them on the moon that are a little mechanically based, like the ogre where you gotta kill the wizard, kill the crystal, um, and then then you can spawn the ogre, right? So there are some, but by and large, lost sectors are not mechanically based. I could see a bunker being mechanically based. You're interacting with the mechanic with the bunker. You're doing things down in there. Um, because it says you're you're helping Rasputin. You're trying to like power up. Where does it say that? Yeah, power up Rasputin. So I would think that it's it's probably more mechanically based than the Lost Sectors. Especially again outside of the moon, you're like you're pretty much going down in there and just killing everything and killing the boss. There's not a lot of thought behind it. Not that that's a problem. So, um, yeah. 
Uh, Damon Gaming. What are your thoughts on random mini-bosses that act like uh, loot tanks in patrols? Something like Randall the Vandal. I mean, I don't really I, I don't really get caught down into the little teeny suggestions like this. I don't think that really is a Destiny thing, though. It doesn't feel like a Destiny thing. You could have, like, a transport. Like, HVTs could be like that, right? It could be like a loot transport. Um, so... People want to use their exotics for the relevant content. Uh, don't be a shill. I wonder. I wonder how many times people use that word and they don't actually know what it means. Like you understand that, like a shill. You're you're using a word that you don't even understand how it looks. Like you're actually number one. You're being a toxic douchebag. Uh, number two, uh, you're insulting a complete stranger. And number three, you're actually showing that you're a dumb person. Like you're not even using the word in the right way. It's it's like you're just stacking on your own stupidity for all the world to see. I don't really understand why people continue to use that word that way. You just you're showing your own lack of intelligence. Not to mention you're showing that you're just a classless, brainless douchebag. But you're also showing everybody that you're dumb. Like. I don't know why you would stack on your own self-referential insults to yourself. Like, it's just like a weird way to live. Uh, Do you think Legendary Lost Sectors will have top-tier loot you can get? I mean, I certainly would think that they're going to put some dope loot in here. I mean, the the Saint-14 weapons were not insanely amazing, but they were were cool. Uh, And they were some really strong rolls that you could get. I I would say that especially since Bungie knows that sunsetting's coming, maybe Luke Smith gave him the green light to add a couple saucy perks this season because they know, yeah, we're going to institute sunsetting in September. So all these weapons will get capped mm, for infusion in 12 months or something. So I would, I would definitely think that they could. I don't know when Luke Smith came to this conclusion though, right? If Luke Smith in the last two months came to this conclusion, I'm going to give you like a maybe. Yeah, maybe he said, hey, you know what? Some of the weapons you guys are designing for that, turn it up a notch. Add some, you know, turn those perks up. Add some of those perks we were talking about, you know, a couple months ago. If he came to the conclusion like a week ago or two or something like that and drew up the director's cut and was like, okay, I think we need to pull the trigger on sunsetting, then there's no way there's going to be anything this season that like really is inspired by that, right? we'll just have to wait and see i'm i'm at this point right i'm at this point of the mind that this season and the summer season are likely to not be like whoa look at these guns it would start in september um that's just my my gut feeling all right my gut feeling is they're not going to have time to implement these things just yet. If this is going to be a s- systematic, system-wide change, it would happen in a September expansion as opposed to a $10 DLC. That doesn't mean, right? That doesn't mean that Luke Smith couldn't give a head nod to the weapons team to say, yo, yo go, do some of that stuff we talked about, right? Um, I, I would say maybe summer is more likely. If I was putting chips on the table, I'd be kind of hedging my bets. I'd be like, well, I'll put some chips on summer. Yeah, we might get some of these benefits and some of these perk boosts and weapon boosts in the summer, but I'm going to put most of my chips on September. It's more likely um, that that's when it's going to happen. DJ. I noticed there was a couple of ornaments for Rasputin-type weapons that were Trials-themed. Do you think the twist will be that Rasputin will empower Osiris? 
I think you're seeing Eververse stuff that's usually just in line with the theme of the season. So there is an Osiris-looking ornament for the outbreak. I don't think we can read much further into it than that. Funk the Buddha. Moving forward, what role do you think feedback from Trials will play in Bungie's decisions to fiddle with the sandbox? I actually argued, was it yesterday, I think? Um, I argued yesterday for a trickle-down effect. I called it Trials-down effect. If you legislate balance and you dictate things inspired by the sandbox and the meta and the feel of trials i think that trickles down into pvp very well i don't think you can go in the other direction sixes and the chaos of sixes and all that i don't think you can use that as your your balance testing environment i think when you go to a stripped down environment with less players and more skill expression i think in that environment you get a better picture of what's imbalanced what's broken what's dumb what's overpowered and you get a sense of that in sixes but i really feel like you trickle down from trials you as bife said so many years ago when he was on the rageous roundtable with me and wish you luck he said you lead from the front you go to the front of the pack the tip of the pyramid and you lead from there with how balance should look and how they should make their tweaks and adjustments um tjr6 i think i missed your 16 month sub a brand new prime sub from jj hunter a brand new prime sub from sriracha thank you guys for the new subs enjoy the dope badge the emotes and the ad free viewing i have alerts off in this scene when we do q a i apologize for the delayed reaction on those subs and resubs arcanus Considering legendary lost sectors are likely a modification of an instanced area in patrol zones, do you think there is possibility of getting uh, sticking around? Yeah, we've already had this question multiple times about them sticking. It's a possibility, but I don't honestly know. Uh, a lost recon. Could this season mark the end of the Red Legion? They've been hinting at them being on their last legs for a while now. How much more can Bungie leverage the Red Legion? It's hard to know because you, we all know storytellers love to do this. Oh man, we finally got rid of the Lost Region. The, lo- the, the I'm sorry, the Red Legion. We finally got rid of them, right? They're gone. They're done. Sweet. And then all of a sudden, the skyline fills with a bunch of ships. And they're like, the- you were dealing with the-, the low men on the totem pole. We are the Red Legion, right? So they could always pull that rabbit out of the hat, you know, to be like, yeah. Actually, Lost Legion doesn't sound that bad. The lo- a lo- the Lost Legion could show up, right? They were lost in time, and they were lost in space or something, and they're the, they now identify as the Lost Legion, and they show up, and they're stronger, and they've, they've found experimental weapons on some planet or something. I mean, they can always pull that rabbit out of the hat. So, Lord Shuss with the brand new Prime sub. Enjoy the dope badge emotes and ad-free viewing. If you guys are sick of seeing ads on Twitch and you spend a lot of time here, that's a great way to get past them. A lot of new names in chat. A lot of high viewership lately. Guys, I really appreciate the continued support. If you're enjoying the show, it's like an interactive podcast where we talk a lot of Destiny and have Q&A. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to click the follow button uh, and turn on notifications so you don't miss these streams. Uh, Lost Legion, your pre-sequel is showing. Lost Legion, is that from the pre-sequel? Is that from something? Uh, the real sticky. I realize you probably don't know, but as someone who has been around Destiny for quite a while, I have not. What He's saying he has not. Uh, what do you think the difficulty of Legendary Lost Sectors will be like? Always enjoyed Lost Sectors, but I wish that they were harder. <sighs> you see, this is where aspirational content is not the aim of the season, Right? So, if I look at this calendar, okay, 
I see Grandmaster Ordeal, new Nightfall Strike difficulty. I see that as your aspirational, really tough stuff. I see Legendary Lost Sectors as the beginning of what Luke Smith talked about. Investing in core activities. Investing in the public space. Not just doing some new activity that goes away, right? In light of that, I don't know if their target with Legendary Lost Sectors is to be like ball busting. It's probably more mid lane, more mechanics, more awareness, but not something that's going to be brutal. I don't know. To transition from like a public event space area thing like the Seraph Tower event and then have like the, either the bunkers or the legendary lost sectors be brutal and hard is out of step with everything they've done up to this point. If I'm making predictions based off of patterns, then the pattern up to now is that the content is pretty easy peasy. There's a very, very small amount of truly challenging content in Destiny, like truly aspirational content is usually in the minority. So I'm not, I'm not going to put a lot of, uh, a lot of stock into being like, yo, legendary law searchers are going to be so brutal. I don't think so. Um, evil obscenities gifted two subs to King concentrate and it's worthy. Thank you for doing that. Remy. Do you think soloists will have harder time with the season's content? No. Uh, well, maybe. I mean, the bunkers in the Lost Sectors are probably going to be like three-man activities. I'm basing this off of like virtually every image of people in a bunker is three people. Um, and that's not... Sometimes they do that just to show off the armor or the guns or like, you know, the three warlock. But even here, you got three dudes looking down the bunker hole. Uh, three people down here... I'm sorry, that's the tower. Three people here running into the bunker. They're not really showing off armor in these pictures. They're kind of zoomed out. And then you come here and there's four guardians so the public space stuff it's clear it's like oh there's a bunch of dudes you know hanging out anytime they show the bunkers it seems that there there's three homies down in there so i would think that oh i i i forgot that uh i forgot that whenever you click on these wallpapers it opens up a new image and now i'm stuck um there sorry i hate that they do that i don't it's not a big deal but it's unique to what I do. I got it all zoomed in and uh, so you guys can see it and I'm clicking on stuff. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, it, a solo player might struggle with that, right? I didn't consider this. I didn't consider this. This is actually a good question. There's more to this question than meets the eye. One of the advantages of a six-man matchmade activity like Vex Offensive and Sundial is a solo player sits down, pushes a button, and gets thrown in with people. And the public events allow for that, but legendary lost sectors and bunkers might not. So we'll have to wait and see what Bungie says. Are they match made? What, what, like, do you see what I'm saying? There's a huge advantage to a six man match made activity like Menagerie and Vex Offensive and Sundial. You just press the button and you're in. It's really accessible. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what they say. I could see bunkers being like forges. The forges on the planets from Black Armory, those are small three-man match-made activities. So I could see it being like that, where um, you go up and hit a thing. We did that in the forges, remember? You would go up to the forge and you would hit the button, and then it would throw you into matchmaking. I could see them doing that for the bunkers and possibly the legendary lost sectors. So part of me really, I there's a part of me that hopes that's true because I do have to consider and we all have to consider, solo players do matter, I don't think solo players matter in aspirational content, I'm not really concerned about a solo player getting to raid or run an aspirational Grandmaster Nightfall or Trials, that content's not built for you if you're a solo player 
and that's not me being mean or elitist it's just it's not built for you it's built for a particular style of play but one of the advantages and one of the benefits of the way that Destiny's been built up until this point is that a solo player is able to do virtually everything just by the pushes of a button and they don't feel like they're getting left behind and I think that's that's that has served Destiny's good and has helped the community grow over the years Remorse 91 in nine, is 960 the recommended low, lowest for trials or where you have to be? It literally says that it is a requirement. It, the language used is all guardians at power level 960 or greater can compete. You will not be able to compete if you are not 960. It is a requirement. Um, in raids or dungeons, you don't have to necessarily be the cap. Yeah, this is a requirement. It's a good question, but it's right there on the site. Uh, Mr. Cab Daddy. What activities in this season pass do you think will grant pinnacle rewards? Uh, trials and Grandmaster Knight Falls, maybe. And then I could see legendary lost sectors, maybe. There's the bounties from Rasputin, maybe one a week or something. I don't know. It, it pinnacle pinnacle grind is in a weird place. I, I I'm not sure what Bungie's philosophy on it's going to be. They haven't really landed that plane, so. Are they going to suddenly open up the floodgates to empower more people to be equipped in trials? We had a question about that a little bit ago. Are they going to open up the floodgates? Are they going to make it a little bit easier for you to get pinnacles or to level up to the pinnacle height Mm, because of trials and power-enabled environments? I honestly don't know. Uh, Watt XP grind. What uh, do you think that the feedback we received about the bounty farming for gaining season pass levels is going to be fixed this season or sometimes in the future? Probably in the future. I can't see it doing anything now, um, right now. Um, I would think that uh, I would think that they haven't had time to retool all that activity. Activity and XP uh, payout is going to need um, completely uh, re you know retooled. Um, it's just one of those things where they are, as far as I can tell, as far as I can tell, they're entertaining the idea of completely changing leveling in general and going more to an XP leveling system as well as having like an annual sort of gear bump, you know? It's one of those things where I would say, I would say that they're creating a system that still requires gear leveling. If maybe, maybe they could go to slot leveling and XP leveling, but still there's going to be level bumps at least every season and and obviously every year or sunsetting doesn't work. Sunsetting as a concept doesn't work if we're not still leveling and advancing and, and, and beefing up our character. The means by which that happening doesn't always need to be the exact same that it's always been though. So TK Lotus with the feedback tweet earlier in the week and the less details this time around, do you think we can bet on secret exotics and community events this time around? I'm I'm more confident this time that there's a secret exotic quest. I am. I'm a little bit more confident because it's been long, it's been a while and this is probably a good place to do it. Bunkers and Rasputin, I think that's a good time to do like a a a, a dungeon exotic. We got a dungeon in Shadowkeep. It's time for what I would call like a dungeon exotic. The Whisper and the Outbreak are kind of like dungeon exotics. It's not a dungeon. It's kind of like a dungeon, but it's not. LL Brood. LLB Rude. LL Brood. 
how do you think people will look at the activity in around two months do you think people will get sick of the activity really really quick sorry if you've answered this well if you look at the calendar that's not a calendar <laughs> if you look at the calendar that's not a calendar um edz on march 10th two weeks later that the, we're on the moon and then two weeks later we're on io that's pretty decent spacing out right like we're not doing the we're not on the exact same planet with the exact same enemies um like we were with sundial okay sundial rolled out new bosses but by and large the sundial that you experienced in the first couple of weeks was the same sundial you experienced the next couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks so this could lead to a little bit more variety so we don't get quite as burned out i think the obelisks were a pretty good mix-up of like oh not mix up in a bad way, but like it mixed things up. You went to the different planets, did the things on the planets, did the bounties, did the lost sectors, did the things that were, they felt tedious, but they kind of kept you from immediately jumping into Sundial, Sundial all day, every day. I like the idea of there was like this prerequisite to leveling up the obelisks first to really squeeze as much life as you could out of Sundial. I thought that was a good system. In this situation, it seems like they're doing more of a... I'm trying to think. It's more like the forges in Black Armory. The core activity is basically the same, but you're going to different locations. And truth be told, the enemies in the locations made it feel very different. The difference between Volunder, Gofanon, Burguzia, and I forget the other one. The difference between all those forges was actually pretty noticeable. And I preferred the one on Earth. I thought Belunder was like the fastest, and Burguzia was nice because you could you could do all the frames there. Um, so it seems like it's going to be more like that, where the core mechanics are kind of the same everywhere, but the enemies in the in the environment and maybe even the bosses are different. And I think that adds a nice variety. When they did that in Black Armory, I think a lot of people looked back on Black Armory and had like fond memories because it did feel like a pretty decent amount of stuff kind of spaced out. I think this is going to be similar. Vorpal Seven. Do you think the javelin shown in the trailer could be a new sword for your inventory instead of a special item used during EP? I think the javelin they showed was uh, part of the finisher move from the season pass. Aaron, Aaron Kill. Do you have any guess about what they'll do to the Guardian games? Nope. It's a community event where we're going to be doing stuff in the tower. It's probably going to be tracked in the tower. The flags will probably rise. Uh, and there'll be little lights and plaques and stuff according to what's going on. A little moat banking of some sort. Arcanus. People are speculating 900 RPM auto rifles are returning. Doctrine of Passing and Tommy's Matchbook. What do you think of the possibility of Bungie bringing more weapon frames into the game considering we get a new one last season? This is in line with a question we've already had. I think this is this is a, this is a decent possibility, but as I said the last time uh, when I answered this a little bit ago, probably one or two at a time, not a bunch, would be my guess. Decima. I haven't played since Forsaken, but is it worthwhile until is it worth the wait until next season to start Shadowkeep? Appreciate all you do. I there's, there's you're not gonna be able to get much done in a week, man. I thought Shadowkeep was great, but you're kind of behind the eight ball. You could save Shadowkeep for a rainy day. It's good. The weapons are dope. The environments are cool. I thought the nightmare hunts were fun. Um, the stuff with Eris is cool, but you don't have time right now. I mean, you could no life it for the next five days, but it's you're gonna it's gonna be tough. Um, Buying Shadowkeep gives you the current season. Well, you got to qualify that. It, if you buy the ultimate edition of Shadowkeep, you can get everything. That's true. Um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Deadpool with 22 months of subs. Thank you, dude. Welcome back. Um, Mick Solo. Should Bungie moving forward create one big raid a year like D1 or create two small ones? I think one big raid a year is fine. Small King. Do you think Anna Bray will end up being worthy when we become and become the Hunter Vanguard? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she'd even be interested in becoming the Hunter Vanguard. I, I could see that being a possibility. I could see... I could see them really leaning that way and hinting at that and then them doing something cool with like Ikora getting a vision that the the new Hunter Vanguard needs to be Aldrin. That could be a cool like what kind of moment. I don't know. I can go either way. I think Aldrin, I think it's more likely to be Aldrin because that would be a really cool shift. I could even see Aldrin showing up because it says up here that they ha- we have to set aside old differences to band together with unlikely allies. If that's Rasputin, I don't know how firm you could say we had differences with Rasputin. We walked in his room and he was like, I'm a god, get out. And we didn't do anything else. I feel like we would say we have old differences and it's an unlikely somebody, it's very unlikely we would be an ally with Aldrin. It's not really unlikely we would be an ally with Rasputin. That's not... That's not out of left field. Aldrin would be out of left field. Or the Fallen, that's not bad. But we've already kind of done stuff with the Fallen. We did stuff with the guy for the Outbreak Perfected. We don't have differences. I don't know. The Fallen in general, sure. I'm I'm thinking Aldrin. I really am. And I think that might be Aldrin in that helmet that I I tweeted out. Uh, JST Jr. How does Bungie make Trials and Iron Banner coexist on the weekends to coincide? I don't they just did it they just did it in the past it was just like you could choose between the, the two it doesn't it, it's not like a it's not like a problem Diaz I think Diaz said I already answered this if power cap keeps only going up by 10 each season couldn't we start sunsetting weapons by the summer uh, a time like never before since 10 is not as big and it's used to be within 50 light increase or trickle effect I truly don't know how they're gonna do it my going theory has been they'll start in September and they'll ease us into it September they'll say all year one stuff can no longer be infused and then they'll do year two next and they'll slowly do it they're not just going to smack your entire collection there's no rush truth be told there's no real rush to to sunset the 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 con the the um the stuff from year one and year two there isn't there's no reason to do that however there's an impetus to sunset going forward. Like stuff they start dropping in September could be stronger, better, better perks, etc. That stuff's you know, it's more important that that stuff gets sunset in the future. I don't see Bungie rushing to sunset your year one and your year two gear. I, there, there's no real impetus. None of that stuff's very, very strong. Your year one hand cannon impulses are not dramatically stronger or weaker than your year two hand cannon pulses and the like. Like they're all on a pretty even playing field. Um, you know, I, I I can't imagine them being like, we better hurry up and sunset all of them. I don't I don't think they need to do it that quickly. They can slowly do it, and then it's more about going forward. He's on C. Where do you think the too much to do sentiment comes from? We've been in content drought, so it's conflicting to hear. It's a checklist. Respect my time when you don't have to do all of it. If someone approaches Destiny now and says there's too much to do, I genuinely mean this. I don't really care. Like, I, that's that's not a complaint. So, I, if somebody's going to say that, then I would just shrug my shoulders and be like, nobody cares. 
find time to play if you can't sorry we're not gonna we're not gonna drain the the, the game of, of stuff to do because you have limited time that's stupid uh, dark seraphim do you think that refreshing the lost sectors and adding bunkers is going to be a way to add content that uses existing assets also do you think it's feasible to add a modifier card for strikes yeah I don't know about the modifier card I don't know about that although adventures have modifiers so I could it could be it's conceivable I would say you know, working on existing assets, Bungie could have known they needed to go this route. Um, maybe then when they were working on this season, they basically had a conversation with Luke Smith where they were like, we really think it's probably better just to invest in existing assets. We'll probably get more bang for our buck. And then maybe Luke Smith really analyzed the equation and thought, this might be a better approach than seasonal content that expires, thus prompting the conversation in the director's cut. I don't know. Crispy Jalapeno. With the changes they have made to auto rifles, could Necrochasm be making a comeback? There's no reason to speculate that. Uh, Harpua. I like that the Bungie introduced some new weapons and perks with Season of Dawn, but the new perks are pretty weak. With the introduction of Sunsetting, how do you think that we could... uh, How long until we expect to see new, stronger perks? I think it's going to start in September. Maybe this season maybe summer they could say hey let's turn on some of the perks let's try some of the things I mean they could have weapons that have been kind of just sitting there like yeah we can't really put these in the game until we figure out power creep and sunsetting um and since Luke Smith basically said this is something that we're going to end up doing they could shove them in the game now V drown joke with a different structure should Bungie have the seasonal PVE activity in public spaces so the planet patrols don't feel dead I mean that's kind of the point, I think. I, I don't really know what kind of question you're asking. Morris, what changes do you believe can be made to boss encounters, strikes, raids, etc., to combat the sniper nerfs and entice guardians to use more close-range loadouts? You, I, this question, I, this blows my mind. Um, there are so many people that take this mentality, and I'm confused. Why are you wanting to fight a boss close-range? When have we ever done that? What bosses from D1 to now did you not sit back and launch rockets at, grenade launchers at, uh, yeah, the, the, what, I'm trying to think, grenade launchers, rocket launchers, uh, the 1K voices, we, 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 linear fusions, even, what, Crota? That was a, that was a relic. Everybody sat back with rockets, right? Scourge, the only reason, oh, Scourge. Well, no, a Scourge, you don't do close range. You sit back and shoot in the thing. The only reason people are throwing out Axis, listen, you got to be honest about something. Axis was not designed for you to go up and, and hit him with the sword. That was like a discovery that people made, that the animation of the Dark Drinker made it to where you could get multiple hits on him, so the damage was absurd. Come on. You could also you could also use the 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 war path from Dead Orbit that did a ton of damage because again the the, the clusters were hitting his legs. Um, Cali, right? You have to go to very specific boss fights though. Even Cali wasn't a close range fight. You generally were staying kind of down near the doors. You don't necessarily go up and hit her in the face. She has something to knock you back anyway. So you can't really argument argue that Cali's designed to have up close combat because she blasts you back. Sure, Ochi, sure. You, again, you're going to specific boss fights. By and large, most of the time you do a boss fight in Destiny, you're not running up to them and using a shotgun. And it's 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 not even how the weapons are designed, right? 
50% of boss fights, false. All strike bosses are fought from a distance. 80% of the raid boss fights are fought from a distance. Bosses in uh, bosses in Reckoning are fought from a distance. Bosses are largely, the majority of the bosses in Destiny's history are fought at a distance. You have to go to specific examples. R- yeah, Axis Swords, Riven Swords, those are cheeses though. You're going to examples of cheese. That's not how the boss fight's designed. Scourge is designed with a crit spot eyeball, so you don't get to use that one. Riven is not designed to be damaged the way that people damage her, running up and punching her foot and her toe. Get the frick out of here. That's cheesy. Shirochi, okay, I'll grant you Shirochi. Axis Swords, that was circumstantial. If the Dark Drinker didn't exist, nobody would have been running up to Axis and killing him with a shotgun. It, 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 it's not agree to disagree no people are saying things that are false it's not agree to disagree it's objectively false that in the history of the game we go up and, and gut bust bosses with shotguns it's dumb listen a sniper is a secondary weapon you're thinking of like whisper and that whisper's not really a secondary weapon like whisper's an exotic it's basically a heavy like you're you're not and swords kind of change things up but even by and large there was very very few bosses you would use swords on you would use swords on ala cool because it stun locked him and he couldn't teleport again like th- a couple of bosses in the history that seem designed for close range if you look at the actual heavy weapon system in this game it's clear that most of the time you're going to output tons of damage you're going to do it from a safe distance the bosses are the size of a building it doesn't make any sense to take a shotgun that's designed or a fusion rifle that's designed for mid-tier you know, captains and, and, and majors and, and gut busting. You're supposed to take this weapon and use it on a boss that's the size of a building. It doesn't make any sense. They're these giant, giant enemies. You should be going to your big, they're called heavy weapons, right? You go to your heavy weapons. There's a hierarchy in the weapon system. Primary, secondary, heavy. Secondary weapons are traditionally not DPS weapons. You had one, you had one in Destiny. If the Black Spindle did not exist in Destiny 1, nobody would have been using snipers for DPS. We used Sleeper, we used Galley, we used other rockets that just existed at the time. Now, we did use swords here and there, but by and large, most bosses were not set up for a sword. I... I really don't think, I really don't think when people look at boss fights, they always make the wrong argument. They're like, well, snipers are getting nerfed. Man, what are we going to do for boss damage? What are you talking about? You've been using Izanagis for boss damage. You're not going in with snipers. And if you're not using Izanagis, you're using a heavy weapon. 1K voices, anarchy, whisper, grenade launchers, machine guns. These are all high damage weaponry to be used at a distance. There is one weapon type in the heavy slot for close range damage, swords. Then you have, a, the, what, two shotguns? You have the Acreus and the tractor. By and large, we do things at a distance. You can't use Crota. It's a relic, and the rest of the team shoots him from a distance safely with rocket launchers, and one person goes up with a relic and hits him while he's sitting on his knees. Like, I don't know. I, the majority of the game, the majority of the weapon system, the majority of the encounters is not telling you you should run up to this giant boss and shove your shotgun in his stomach. They're not telling you that. That's 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 completely that's a strange desire. That's like a strange that's a strange desire. It's like why are you wanting to do that, right? 
Why, why is that a desire that you have? I've never felt like, man, I should really be able to run up to that giant massive boss and shove my shotgun or fusion rifle in his gut. They've created a hierarchy of weaponry, there's a hierarchy of enemies, and it all lands on each other. That's like getting angry that your primary weapon isn't strong against a shielded major. It's not designed to shoot a shielded major. It's a primary used for trash ads. You want to shoot a shielded major? That's a tier 2 enemy. Go up to your tier 2 weaponry, fusion rifle, sniper rifle, shotgun, you shove it in their gut you pop their shield, you kill them quickly fast TTK on more beefy enemies, tier 3 enemies comes out, mini bosses, bosses raid bosses, strike bosses dungeon bosses, you're gonna lean towards tier 3, right? you're gonna lean towards tier 3, all the heavy weapons in the game if not, what the frick are your heavy weapons for? You're acting like you should be able to go into a boss room and like, no, I should be able to pull out a secondary weapon that has healthier ammo economy, a more a more streamlined delivery of ammo. I should be able to use that on the boss. What's your heavy weapon for then? Grenade launchers, rocket launchers, linear fusion, god-killing slayers of worlds. Like, and you're supposed to just what? Just keep that shelved and pull out your shotgun and your fusion rifle? I I think people are are being willfully like willfully head in the sand about this it's so clear when you look at the, the game's design and the weaponry's designed that we are not supposed to be running up to these gigantic huge leviathan like bosses and shoving a, a shotgun in their gut that's not it's not what it's for heavy lmg is for ad clear oh come on i've never been in an environment and been like dude ad clearing is really hard somebody get out a machine gun and a rocket launcher when do you ever struggle to clear ads? Ever. Ever. The only place that clearing ads is tough is Reckoning. And Reckoning is designed around, like, Nova bombs, and they've admitted that Reckoning is absurd. Like, come on. You're just, you're putting your head in the sand on this. The game has been communicating for five years with its weapon system and its boss design that you're generally going to lean towards heavy, high damage weaponry for bosses because they have way more health and they're lethal and deadly if you get close to them. So this idea that you should be able to pull out a secondary weapon and do... Listen, the only reason you used a shotgun on Shuro Chi is because Ikelos was brokenly strong at the time. If Ikelos didn't exist, you wouldn't have been doing that. You would have been using 1K. You would have been using a rocket. You would have been using a maybe, maybe a grenade launcher. I don't know. The only reason you used a shotgun on Shuro Chi is because Ikelos did more damage than a heavy exotic, thus breaking the power hierarchy of the game which is exactly why they nerfed it uh you guys are you guys are crazy you guys are crazy i that's not the way the game is built you can have that desire that's fine you can want that you can be like no lono i really think we should be able to use secondary weapons for dps fine that can be your desire. It's never going to be realized or answered. Bungie's never going to go into encounters and be like, we should really design boss encounters so people can gut bust the boss with a fusion rifle and a shotgun because they're thoughtless, easy to use, and have way more ammo and a healthier ammo economy than heavies. That's how we should design boss fights. They're like literally not going to do that for you. They're not. Acrius, maybe you would have used Acrius on Shirochi. Maybe. I, I, I doubt it. 
people might have used Zenith of Your Kind and Tractor Cannon, because Tractor Cannon originally, it's still at that time when Shirochi came out, gave a greater buff to Void. So people might have done Tractor Cannon and Zenith of Your Kind, but I don't know. It's just like, I, <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, I totally use Thunderlord for clearing ads. Yeah, but we use Thunderlord for clearing ads when Thunderlord was still good at damage against a boss. Almost almost universally now when I go into endgame content, people have shelved Thunderlord because it doesn't do good boss damage. And you don't really need to clear ads. Like, unless you're going into like a Nightfall Master and maybe that, I don't know, maybe you would find that useful. I don't know. I, I just, it, the... You're tr- you are attempting to do exactly what the the reason the reason that I can even maybe maybe I can prove you're wrong here. I know this is a matter of opinion of like, well, I think this is well the gun should work. Okay, that's fine, but I think I can prove you're wrong. Bungie nerfed the Ikalos shotgun because it left its lane. It was a secondary legendary weapon, and it was doing the damage of an exotic heavy weapon and it got nerfed accordingly it doesn't do that now it's in its lane so less people how many people now are going and doing boss damage with an icolos right they're going to do the they're going to crunch the numbers all right they're going to crunch the numbers and then they're going to use whatever's doing the most damage lmgs are for bossage lmgs are for bosses okay lono No, no 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 I'm consistent in this, Mr. Gravity. LMGs, as they are designed, are distance weapons that are designed for good damage output. I don't think they should have been nerfed. I'm consistent here. I don't think machine guns are in a good place right now. They took away their damage so that the delirium would be better or something. Like, the delirium's worth using and the rest kind of aren't. I don't think machine guns are good for boss damage. I think that they should be. It's a slower form of damage. It, it's not like you're doing what we were doing with the uh, the Izanagis. It's not even like cluster high damage. It's like sustained damage over time. No, 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 no. Yeah, Mr. Gravity, I'm very consistent on this. I have said that I don't think machine guns are in the best place right now. They're heavy weapons that largely get ignored because you could do more damage with the Izanagis and they get completely blown out of the water by, mach- by uh, grenade launchers. Now, maybe with grenade launchers being toned down and Izanagis toned down, maybe machine guns get some play next season. I don't know, but maybe people are going to gravitate towards swords. And also, look at what Bungie's doing with swords. This is just this is more this is more fodder in my argument. This is more ammunition for my argument. Swords are the heavy weapon that does require you to get close, and Bungie's trying to empower you to do that by not taking ammo to guard. Right? Like they're not even requiring you to use ammo to guard, so they're trying to empower you to get close with that weapon because every other heavy weapon is can be shot at a distance. Linear fusion machine gun, rocket launcher, grenade launcher, uh, 1K voices. Well, I guess tractor cannon and Acreus, but those are exotics, and those have particular uses. Like, you're not going into a boss fight and everybody's using tractor. So, to me, I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, the reason... The reason that... The snipers got nerfed, according to Bungie, is because in aspirational content where it gets really, really hard, everyone is flocking to snipers. And Bungie's saying, you know what? We feel that the buff to snipers make them... The difference between a sniper in really, really aspirational content, like 980 content, right? And the difference between snipers and all of their close-range counterparts, what Bungie said is, is when the content gets harder, the chasm between the weapons gets bigger. And they're trying to close that chasm. So we we don't 
know the full picture. That's why I said I'm just going to kind of try to trust them here. But the argumentation that people use about this, I believe, is flawed argumentation. Oh, but bosses stomp. I, I, that's why I'm using snipers. No, you're using snipers because everything's really strong and sitting back and playing passive is more strategic. You're not using your freaking sniper because of boss stomp. You're using your sniper because exposing yourself and pushing forward is risky. Sitting back is the smarter play. That's why you're using snipers. Also, Izanagi's was being used for damage on a boss because it was an exotic and its damage potential was absurd. Again, you were not using Izanagi's because of boss stomp. You were using Izanagi's because its damage potential was silly high. And as soon as you look at boss damage encounters, boss damage situations where we're maximizing boss damage, almost universally in the history of the game, people are using a heavy weapon to do that. They're not using a shotgun or a fusion or a sniper. There are rare exceptions here and even the rare exceptions are absurd to even try to use like the hit detection on Axis so people use Dark Drinker or Shiro Chi existing in the era of the Ikelos being brokenly strong. Like those aren't exactly good examples. Traditionally, almost every boss encounter you go into, people gravitated towards heavy weapons. That's what they're designed for. They have less ammo and high damage. They are designed for what happens less frequently think about it the primary weapon is tier one and tier one enemies and tier one weapons have something in common abundance right abundance not a lot of damage needed not a lot of health needed and there's lots of them there's thrall and there's acolytes they're friggin everywhere okay they're everywhere tier two weaponry and tier two enemies there's less of them but they're a little bit tankier you have less ammo and you do a little bit more damage and then you go to your heavy weapon less ammo more of a constrained ammo economy but high damage and here comes the less frequent high health pool enemy it is a logical system everything lines up so to look at that system and say hold on pump the brakes i should be able to use my tier 2 weapon on the tier 3 boss enemy but he stomps and they should reorient boss design so i can gut bust this guy no (laughs) the argumentation and the desire is illogical within the system that I just outlined it doesn't make sense for you to be grabbing a secondary weapon and wanting to use it efficiently on a boss it doesn't line up with the way the game is built so it's okay to want snipers to have power and and to be viable and to not get nerfed but using that type of an argumentation you're not gonna get what you want Bungie's not going to start retooling boss fights so you can gut bust more with your fusions and your shotguns. It just it isn't isn't how they've designed them. Yeah, we're also not considering Vorpal. What if Vorpal and what if the specialist modifier comes back? There's a lot of things we haven't considered with why they maybe needed to tone down snipers. There could be, as I said in my initial video about these nerfs, if the raw damage of the weapons down here, Bungie has more playroom up here for modifiers, perks, seasonal artifacts, seasonal mods from we, we don't even know what those are doing yet to add and optimize and say snipers actually can be really good. All this up here doesn't matter if the raw damage of the weapon's too high. They have to have like play with the with the things on top. So there could again there could be things that we don't even know are coming. I got to move on. I got to move on. We're going to get stuck here cuz I see people responding to me. I hate to do it, but I got to move on. 
Fortress Wailed. Will I be able to equip this season's mod like Charge Time on the Trials Armor? Yes. Charge with Light will be equipable in the Season of the Worthy Armor. You will also be able to use Season of the Worthy seasonal mods in your Season of Dawn Armor. Anytime, anytime you have a seasonal slot, it can use the seasonal mods from uh, behind it and in front of it. So Season of the Worthy will be able to use seasonal mods from the season that we're in right now and the summer season. It's always one behind and one in front. Uh, Swifty. What are your thoughts on a more vague roadmap and the end more? Personally, I love it after the Bastion debacle. I, I love it for two reasons. Number one, it means Bungie is willing to adapt and learn lessons. That's a good sign. Instead of just stubbornly being like, nope, do it the exact same way every season, and then people that are like, well, here we go again. They're like, no, yeah, you guys didn't kind of like that. You felt like, like, Dylan was asking the community about it, like, how much mystery do you think is good? How much do you want to know? He talked about why they like to put all the stuff on the calendar because it communicates value, which then allows people to have that confidence in their purchase, but then people were like, well, we don't need to know the exact dates. You can just kind of tell us exotic are coming and guess what wow crazy mind-blowing moment our feedback has influenced the marketing of the next campaign of the next season exotic quest armor and weapons are listed but we have no idea when they're showing up it's listed as value point but we don't know when it's showing up that's called adaptation that's how games and developers and communities thrive and survive and flourish in a symbiotic way As far as what I think of this particular piece, my feedback to Bungie is, it's kind of a mess. It it doesn't really communicate a sequence of events where I'm like, okay, I can confidently know every week and month there's things happening. It's all over the place. It's somewhat disorienting. From a graphic design perspective, it's a little text heavy. It's a little too much, right? But Bungie's trying to jam as much in there as they can for the $10. So it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. From a design standpoint, it might be a little bit messy and not super clear about is there a sequence of events here? It's kind of it's kind of convoluted and like March event, March 10th bunkers down here, so it lands up here, and then the Guardian Games is here, but it's actually should be down here. April 7th bunkers down here and should be up here. Like it's kind of all over the place. But they might be like, well, that's fine. It conveys that you're gonna get a ton of stuff for the $10, and maybe that's all they're going for. D, uh, D Flawless says, If we get a regular story content such as it appears we're getting in the season of a worthy and theoretically following seasons, would it be enough to substitute the big comet expansions? What else would we miss besides raids? Um, my biggest concern here, Flawless, would be their community expectation, Right? The community expectation is you guys can take a year and and set aside time and bandwidth and teams to build something more substantive and bigger, and then the seasonal stuff can be a little bit thinner. I, I, there'd be a real danger for Bungie to be like, well, you guys seem to be enjoying the season format. We're just going to do that all the time now. No more, no more Comet expansions. I, I could see them doing that when we know they're in their final year. They did that with Rise of Iron, right? Rise of Iron was not even remotely close to the size and the substance of uh, the size and the substance of King of Taken King. 
and it and then the final year was very thin and i think we all kind of knew what was coming so i think you can have a final year that's thin but i don't know if you can just suddenly be like yeah we're just going to do this all the time no more no more uh seasonal expansions left is march and the right is april i mean homie I, I can I can see and read, brother. It's not it's not uh, what's the freaking word? It isn't it isn't chronological. It's confusing. Begins March tenth, Seraph Tower event. Begins March thirteenth, Trials of Osiris, and then down here begins March tenth and twenty fourth, Seraph Bunker, EDZ, and Moon Legendary Lost Sectors, and then Legendary Lost Sectors are actually separate from bunkers. They had to qualify that as well. It that seems like subtext, like a subtitle, Seraph Bunker, and then they put Legendary Lost Sectors, and they're like, no, 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 the bunkers and the Legendary Lost Sectors are actually separate. The frick, why are they listed like that then? Why aren't they all listed in the same text size? Like, you're communicating something with that. Heading and subheading. That's usually, the subheading is usually expounding upon the heading. It's confusing. It's 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 aesthetically weird to do that. It's like, wait a minute. So the Seraph Bunker isn't a legendary lost sector. No, it's not. Why is it listed that way then? Oh, also, March 10th, when everything kicks off, there's a Seraph Bunker that's happening, but it's down here. It's weird. It's really, really weird. I, I think they... I think they went in a good direction by saying we don't need to put everything on there. We don't need to put Iron Banner. We don't need to put the exotic quests on there. Let's leave some mystery. But aesthetically and chronologically like from a calendar perspective I don't think this functions very well as a sense of like there's a flow to the season. It's kind of like a it's like a buckshot. Uh, Billy Bow baggins how do you think d3 will launch now the d2 is free to play d3 can't launch with free to play d d2 is not free to play it's a free entry point okay the dlc still cost you money the season still cost you money disney 3 will not be free to play there's no impetus to make it free to play old franchises making their entry point free to play is normal and common the dlc still cost money so they're not suddenly saying yep free to play come in and play and, and, and we'll live off the cosmetics there's zero impetus or expectation for destiny 3 to be free to play anybody who gets angry if destiny when destiny 3 launches and has a cost and people look like, i thought it was free to play I just, it's so, it's so hard to interact with Neanderthalic cavemen. I can't do it. Like, I'm not saying this about you, Billy Bo, but if people were to get angry about this, I'd be like, I just, don't be dumb. Like, don't be dumb. You've been having to pay to play all the new content. So a new Destiny would mean you have to pay. There are people that think this, though. They think, well, Destiny's free to play now, so Destiny 3 will probably be free to play absolutely not no there's literally no impetus to conclude that like at all like <laughs> um a bunch of subs have come through dead gummit deadly crusader with five months william mck5 with a brand new prime sub uh isaiah with a brand new prime sub six months from the assassin 25 and six months from low life guys thank you so much for those subs, new subs, and resubs. I'm sorry when I'm in the scene, things get uh, slowed down. Billy Bo says, that's not what I meant. I was wondering how it will work since D3 would technically be a separate game. It'll be a new game, and therefore there will be a cost to get the new game, just like a DLC or an expansion. Um, right? Destiny 3 can't launch with free-to-play if you have to buy the expansions. It's not going to be free-to-play. It isn't. There is zero there is zero impetus for Bungie to feel like well we made a free entry point for Destiny 2 we better make Destiny 3 free to play 
anybody who's thinking along those lines is completely misreading the landscape of what they're doing with their game Remy 13 do you think that the raid and trials should uh, loot should not sunset it should sunset that's precisely the reason that they're doing this Remy they're creating a sunsetting system so aspirational environments can have truly aspirational gear and they can do that and they can turn those knobs of power up since that stuff gets sunset a year later it's not an eternal it's not an eternal sense of power and therefore doesn't create power creep the very impetus for sunsetting is so the end game loot can get better um no point in going independent and then not releasing a new full price game exactly woods like gee purrs that would be such a throw that there's no way they could get away with that it would be so risky and really really costly to them i could see the base game being free to play by the time year two dlc hits well usually eugene this is what they do okay and i could see them doing this with destiny 3 a year later when the year two dlc hits year two dlc costs 30 bucks and you can buy year one and year two bundled for a discount, right? And then when year three rolls around, you make the entry point free, the year two DLC is discounted, and the year three is full price. Like, you see what I'm saying? It always just kind of trickles down from there. The second year being like, hey, Taken King or Forsaken's coming out, and it's this much money, or you can buy the base game bundled for a huge discount. So you get the base game for like a real cheap amount, like 20 bucks or something. Assassin Assassin Nerd. <clears throat> In one of Bungie's screenshots of the anomaly they posted, one of the Guardians has a rocket launcher on their back. Do you think it could be the Galahorn? We looked at it and we analyzed it. It's a one-to-one match of the Trials rocket launcher. Ganks. Do you think putting the sunset weapons in the menagerie would be a good way to repurpose the menagerie and make some of those weapons not a pain staking to get, like Mindbenders, for example? All weapons will have an infusion limit. They don't need to throw everything that's been sunset into the menagerie. It's just a natural evolution of the loot pool as you move forward. Philip, do you think Bungie will update older weapons like Jack Queen King 3? I don't think they're going to do it again anytime soon, but they could go to other older weapons and repurpose them. Oh, that's what you mean, like they did with the Jack Queen King. Yes, I could definitely see them doing this, especially I was hoping they were going to do it with the EP weapons, but doesn't seem like they're going to. Orange Spawn. Do you think they will have bounties for the faction rally here? Could they even be world drops? Well, they're going to be world drops they're not going to be attached to guardian games they're going to be world drops we had a great idea yesterday from beer pie he said anytime we get a prime ingram let us turn that prime ingram to a faction person instead of rahul so if they're what i think we saw the Xi'an 7 the pulse rifle from um new monarchy if you really want that you would always take your prime ingrams to new monarchy hoping to get it there could be like a couple new monarchy items there could be a couple dead orbit i think that idea is absolutely brilliant i tweeted it and everybody seemed to love the idea just taking a whirlpool that's already pretty big and dumping stuff in there like they did with the old-fashioned i don't think that's a good idea especially since you're kind of ripping it out of factions and just throwing it in there. I think Beer Pie's idea honors the memory and the spirit of factions of like, you go to them to get loot from them instead of being like, well, I hope it drops in a lost sector or I get one from Rahul. And then they have garbage in there like the Terran Wind Grenade Launcher. What the frick? Why is that even in there? It's a static roll grenade launcher. Um either either do that or at least clean up the whirlpool there's so much junk in there get a like like rotate some of that stuff out you know 
Yeah, Beer Pie is also the one that had the idea for slot leveling. He's got good ideas. If they ever do a summon event where they ask for recommendations for community members to go, I feel like he should go. Ecal the Great. Luke said weapons will have a 9 to 15 month lifespan. Does this confirm vendor resets? Uh, do you think this is why factions aren't coming back? Because it's three additional sets. Well, Luke said that they already have a pretty full cast of characters in the tower, so this is seemingly related to what you're saying. But I do think somebody asked me this morning about this on Twitter, and I could definitely see them saying, "Hey, this is now an impetus to do more vendor refreshes. We can't just you can't just keep leaving these." by the wayside you can't keep leaving these poor people with nothing especially when stuff starts getting sunset so i 100 percent think that they need to go that route they um oh thank you weird chelsea you ordered some player one coffee um that's awesome i hope you enjoy it first person smoother and omen are my favorite in the group i just saw the tweet yeah, I think this does put pressure on them to do vendor refreshes annually, maybe, or little refreshes every season. Uh, Fortress Wailed says, You talk a lot about bandwidth and saving space. I'm ignorant on how this stuff works. Why are they limited on what they can do? I don't understand why they aren't boundless as far as content creation goes. The engine itself can only take so much before a game becomes unstable. Like, you can't just keep shoving stuff into a game for forever. It's also not dedicated servers, so they have to be able to put a bunch of stuff in that is then accessible and you know runnable or you know all that. Anytime, bud. It's it's uh, it's good. I'm drinking some now. Awesome. What flavor are you trying? So yeah, engines ancient. There's no dedicated servers, so they can't offload stuff onto the dedicated servers. Like like world like world spaces and events and stuff are not on a server somewhere they're on your actual system um install file size isn't the issue it's actually the engine so and bandwidth refers to just like you can have so much bandwidth on your internet right it can only go so fast they only have so much developmental bandwidth there's only so many people working and they can only work at a certain speed so it's like okay here's a company with 10 people here's a company with 2,000 people who can make more content and how fast can they make it well well, well, clearly the team they have more they have more people, right? It's just a it's just a term in development worlds, developmental bandwidth. Uh, first person smoother. That's what I've been drinking this morning. I really like that one, and I usually don't like a dark roast, but Omen is really really good. Stare in the sun. Lono, I was listening to the Rageless Roundtable this morning and I wanted to talk about choosing elements on weapons. I like where you're coming from in regards to choosing elements on primary weapons. However, I'd argue that switching elements on weapons reduces the identity and uniqueness of the weapon. What do you think? I've had some really good pushback on this, and I think this can maybe win me some goodwill with people, that I'm open to having my ideas either shot down or criticized. I do agree that I may be overstepped in saying, well, because they're sunsetting weapons, they may not replace my 140 void hand cannon. I would like to be able to, you know, if, if a hand cannon 140 drops and it's arc, but I would like it to be void, I should be able to change it to void. And there was good pushback. People were like, well, Lono, you know, that really there's a lot of variety in the loot pool and it kind of pushes you to other weapons. If you can always change your favorite god roll weapons element, it really kind of hurts the the dynamics and the, the, and the variety and the substance of the weapon pool. And I was like, okay, this is good feedback. So I thought, and I adjusted on the podcast, because Tassie uh, and Mike, I think, both pushed back a little bit on what I was saying. And people did already in chat and on Twitter. There were already people kind of pushing back on my idea. I just kind of felt like 
if you're going to sunset my 140 void hand cannon and you're not going to replace it anytime soon, I would like whatever new hand cannon I get to be able to kind of move elements around. Um, and I like the idea of you can change the element one time. So when it drops and you get your god roll and it's arc, you're like, sweet. Now I have to grind for a god roll and then I'll switch it to void. It would be, it would still maintain grind and importance. And if you took the time to grind three god roll hand cannons so that you could have them all different elements, that's actually pretty good. And if that's what you want to do, that's great. That's not, that's not as cheap as somebody be like, well, it's void week. Let me switch all my weapons to void, right? It would actually fuel more grind, right? I'm willing to concede that it might not work. I'm willing to concede that the way the system is set up and the way that the the, the diversity of the weapon system is set up, that there might not be room for us changing uh, elements anymore. Um, I'm willing to accept that. I just think it might be a good idea. Bungie doesn't have a great track record in replacing archetypes of weapons at a very good speed. Iron Hand. Do you think the events of all this year's season will culminate in this year's upcoming raid? I have no idea, dude. I really don't. Captain, do you think the season is going to be as loot generous as the season of Dawn was? And if it's not, is it going to suffer engagement? There's no way to know. There, even when when we saw trailers um, for Sundial, there was no way to know it was going to be that generous. I would wager to say anytime content's limited, that generosity will probably be well in hand because they know that people need to be able to get their loot because it's expiring. MW2 Killer. Do you think Bungie is going the secrecy route next season since it seems like this calendar is smaller than others? They did say they left less on it because of our feedback about we don't need to know when every single thing lands every single day. Bastion would be an example of this. Remorse. Do you think we will see anything this season like Obelisk where we have to upgrade to get special benefits and mods? I would like to see that because I think it adds a good sort of preliminary grind. I don't know. We the um, It could be the uh, the Seraph Tower event, the bunkers and the legendary lost sectors are their own thing. And then there's this thing up here called the Seraph Towers. Join your fellow guardians and prepare Rasputin's defenses in shared public events. So the Seraph Towers look like they're attached to the tower public event area. Maybe when we're doing that, we're leveling ours up or we're getting perks or benefits or something. V Drown Joke. We have a season, an upcoming season focus on Cabal being a problem. Do you think that we should have every four seasons focus? I really don't care about this. People are always like, it's time for the Vex, or it's time for the Fallen, or it's time for the Hive. I really, I, I kind of don't care. <laughs> I just go and shoot the bad guys, truth be told. I don't get passionate about that. Ecal the Great. Where do you see the story going next? Would you have armed Rasputin for a system-wide defense against the darkness? It's right outside the solar system. Uh, do we get one last uh, reuse of the reef September? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of strong theories about what's happening right now. Um, Doxam. Given how huge the Void subclasses were in the Taken King, really? Do you think another element subclass is possible in the Lifetime Destiny 2? I don't think so. Arcanus. Do you think that with the fact that they are addressing sunsetting weapons is more of a set of precedents for the next game, or do you think the existing D2... It's all one ball of wax. It's for the now, it's for the next two years in Destiny 2, and it's for the next game. I believe that... Um... I wasn't like trying to warn people, but I always said that the issue was scalability, and it was kind of like, Bungie's gonna have to figure out scalability, and 
conversely, we have to let them figure out scalability. You can't just keep throwing new weapons and armor in the game and just expect it to work. But like, what, you guys want loot? Here's loot. What's the problem? Like, loot incentive has to be sensible and logical, and that's where scalability comes in. And I believe they're trying to figure that out. Hopefully, they find their way to make the next game and the next couple of years awesome. Green Giant. Could they update current raids to refresh them or make them more interesting? Kind of like how they updated Rise Raids and Rise of Iron. I think there's going to be an Age of Triumph moment in this game. I just don't know when. Amule. Sorry, this might have been asked in the past, but should we have a realistic expectations for dedicated servers in D2? Des- dedicated servers in Destiny 2 will never happen. They would have to rebuild the entire infrastructure of the game, and they're not going to do that on a game that they will eventually leave behind. Ecal. Should the Gambit Prime set become one armor set with the seasonal mod slot changing its role? Uh, the mod should be free, of course. It's four sets regardless of affinity. Those sets are not designed for what we're doing now. They're not designed to get more than what they already get. They're designed for Amazon. They're designed for Amazon Prime. Oh my gosh. They're designed for Gambit Prime. Scoots Magoots says, do you think the Grandmaster Ordeal could give us exotics with the seasonal mod slot? I don't think they have any intention of doing that. And I don't think that's what Grandmaster is there for. I think Grandmaster is probably going to have its own loot. Marine. Do you think that the robot we saw in the video are the frames and constructs Saladin mentioned in the lore? I believe that's what it is. Yes. Hockey Dan. Sorry if you've answered it, but do you think that the outcome of the season will be in terms of the narrative? We're going to establish some type of a defense system with Rasputin. That will likely draw the attention of something, or maybe we'll suddenly realize we made a mistake. It'll lead to a thing. I think we're going to establish defense systems on the planets by helping Rasputin, and in doing so, I think Osiris will come back with whatever he went to get, and then it'll be kind of like, now we have something else we have to do. Do we think Trials will have a freelance option? It will not. The same guy. Me and my team only got one game win during Trials of the Nine. Do you think we will get the weapons from playing and losing in Trials? They, I outlined it. It's it's on the it's on the page. Just go to the page. It gives you the details. Multiple wins in a row to earn Pinnacle Gear. Seven in a row to go to the Lighthouse. Sci Fireman. I don't recall seeing the one nine themed map in any other uh, in any playlist other than Trials before. Trials was removed in D two. With playlist, what playlist do I expect the new maps being introduced? Uh, elimination and survival. Joystick. One complaint that the community has had for a while is the game has become way too casual player focused. When looking at the director's cut, do you think that this is a sign that Bungie has start designing the game for the more hardcore players in mind, or will we get a middle ground and D3 will be for hardcore players? We had a discussion about this uh, this morning. When Luke Smith opens the director's cut about aspirational content being absent, aspirational loot being absent, and he wants to refuel aspiration, okay? Keep in mind that he also says that he no longer drives home worried about will Bungie survive. He drives home every night thinking, where can Destiny go and how can we get there? I argue this morning that I think they went into survival mode and in, when in going into survival mode, they wanted to maximize player base, maximize purchases, and they aimed at the middle of the pack. The middle of the community is larger uh, and there's more of them and getting those people happy and buying and playing consistently was priority one. Obviously, now that they've successfully done that and the game has survived, their transition period has survived, now they can do what I call they're going in and filling in gaps. Well, we've kind of ignored aspirational content. We've kind of ignored aspirational loot because of this this survival attitude we had to take, right? I happen to think people overstate the casual focus of the game. I think they really overstate it. 
the hours and time it took to level up the four obelisks, getting to level 92 on the season, going for god rolls in sundial, getting lots of fractaline. I don't think any of that was casual. I don't. I think people significantly overstate the casualification of Destiny 2. You want casualification? Go play D2 year one and then come talk to me. This is not casualified. It's not built for casuals. It's built for a spectrum of player. What happens is hardcore players in the top 10% feel starved and they come to, I believe, faulty conclusions. Just because you're feeling starved doesn't mean there's not meat on the table, okay? If you want steak, right, and there's not a lot of steak on the table, they're trying to feed everybody in the, in the room, okay, and there's a little bit of steak, you can't then say, they're just catering to vegetarians, this is so stupid, and they're like, what are you talking about, there's chicken, there's cheeseburgers, there's sausage, how are we catering to vegetarians, what the frick are you talking about, well, there's no steak, does that make sense? I feel like people that really want hardcore aspirational content are like, there's not enough, and they jump to an extreme conclusion. Oh, well, the game's just built for casuals. Not really. No, it's not. What was required, all the things we did this season, all the things we did this season were, were, were actually pretty substantive and took time. It wasn't casual play hours that got you your obelisks leveled up or level 92 unlocking an extra perk on guns. None of that's casual sentimentality like at all. But I think people are like, well, there's nothing aspirational, therefore everything's for casuals. That's a super extreme position to take. Well, the top 10% isn't getting fed, so clearly they're building the game for the bottom 10%. No. No. Mid lane players, hobbyist players, sure, but they built good spectrum, you know? So, I would say that now, and it's clear that they know what they were doing. They're not like, they're, they're not, uh, they're not immune or ignorant to the fact that, like, they've been feeding the mid lane players while not offering much for aspirational. Because as soon as they get on the other, other, other side of, like, this survival period, what's Luke Smith come out and say? Aspirational is lacking. It's just lacking. So we're going to make some changes to make better aspirational loot. We're going to start to feed that side of the game starting in year four. It's a, it's an evolution. It's a step in that direction. I had consistently said when defending the seasonal format, I had consistently said that from a business perspective, it made sense for Bungie to target the mid lane players because there's way more of them. But I also said, I really want the hardcores to get something. We do need more aspirational stuff. And I always said that that's where contest modifier came in. I would I would take up for the people that felt like there was stuff lacking, but I would also push back and be like, this is actually a pretty good format. It actually feeds a lot of people. A lot of people are enjoying this content structure. So I, I felt like I rode the line pretty well on this, and you can kind of see that I, I think I had it right. I think I had the diagnosis right based on what Luke Smith said in his director's cut. D Gamist. Bungie said the change to backup plan, among others, was an adjustment intended for high-impact fusions. Have they said how backup plan will work on other frames? Garden fusion is already a rapid frame, but can roll with backup plan. Yeah, all it's going to do is turn it into a rapid frame, so I don't think it's going to... Rapid frames, I think the issue was the the backup plan combined with impact was like, it just made them too lethal and crucible, so they're dialing back the lethality of the weapon when, when backup plan procs. Mipsy. Do you think that Aldrin would be the best serve with the fall expansion? I don't have a strong opinion here. It'll be cool when he comes back kind of regardless. Could Aldrin be proving himself worthy to us? Mm, possible. 
I think we're proving ourselves worthy to either Callus or Rasputin. Thunder. With all of the separate storylines unfinished, Streaming City Curse, Aldrin as a Hunter Vanguard, ETC, which unfinished storylines would you like to see wrapped up in the game versus getting more lore tabs? I would. I actually really like to see what happens with Aldrin. Droppy. What's your favorite faction weapon? Is there Forsaken content next season? Do you think the 15th Wish can be brought up? I'm not concerned about the 15th Wish. They'll wrap that up in due time. And my favorite faction weapon... I don't know if I actually have one. Maybe the number? I think the number... No, no, no. It was the Dead Orbit Auto Rifle that shot really, really fast, and I forget the name of it now. I really, really like that one. It was like wood and black and shot really, really quickly. There's a high rate of fire auto rifle from Dead Orbit. Was it the, is that the Hollow Earth? Somebody's saying Hollow Earth in chat. I love that one. I think that one's awesome. Iron Hand. Do you think they'll move away to a new... Yeah, I think if, if the next game will have a new engine. I believe it. Rob Detto. If Bungie Sunset Weapons, how would they make a replacement? I say 50. The question doesn't make any sense. What's the point of sunsetting gear that's out now if the new gear is going to be better because of sunsetting? When year one weapons get got left behind with the old system, they essentially got sunset without being capped. You could use them, but why would you? I just think if they're wanting to clean things up from a testing standpoint. Guiding Star. That's it. Guiding Star. The Guiding Star Auto Rifle from Dead Orbit. I like that one a lot. Yeah, it looks cool, feels cool, sounds cool. I like the Guiding Star. I'm anxious to see what weapons are coming back. We know that the the the, the hand cannon that Lumi likes so much is coming back. What's that one called? I forget. Um, dire Promise. Uh, so, I listen, Alkison. I understand where you're coming from. If this is going to truly empower them, if, I, if I'm going to come through you and speak for you, I'm going to say if Bungie's truly going to make better legendary loot, they don't need to sunset everything before now because it'll be better, right? Okay, that's actually a pretty good point. But the system has to just be sort of a whole system. It just makes sense to start from start and be like, this is how it is from here on out. This stuff's getting left behind in the end game. That it just it just to me is logical. Salty Rob, apologize if the discuss came in late, but it seems like the paid content for this season is very light. I feel like previous seasons had more content in the paid column. That was an observation we made yesterday, Salty Rob, and I wonder if this is just because they're leaving so much up to mystery. It does seem like there's a lot on the free side, so I'm really curious what, like, because the exotic quest line and legendary lost sector and the weekly Rasputin challenges, okay? Everything else, the people on the free side can get. The armor you can unlock. You can't get the ornaments. Okay, but you can get the armor. You can get the exotic auto rifle. Triumphs, bounties, and seasonal lore books. Okay. Exotics, emote, ghost, ornament, and finisher. That's just in like the seasonal pass. That's that's all cosmetic. XP gains are increased. Okay, that's not content. Additional season pass rewards to unlock. Okay, but again, that's season pass. That's, that's right here. Exotic, emote, ghost, ornament, and finisher is also right here. That's redundant. All free Destiny 2 content also included. Okay, that's not that's not a benefit, so you can't list that, and you can't list that. Additional season pass rewards to unlock. I mean, that's what this is. So that's redundant. So the bottom two you can kind of take off. It does feel light. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if th- these, th- these three things at the top, weekly Rasputin challenges, legendary lost sectors, and new exotic questline, ignore, ignore the questline. These two top things could essentially be like your sundial saint 14 missions feel like this is the stuff you're really gonna want i don't know 
Sap Gwyn. If we get a dungeon or new activities like dungeons, what do you think they'll be related to? There's a picture of three guardians outside of a bunker. Looks like a dungeon. Yeah, we already talked about the possibility of there being like a dungeon, a dungeon bunker secret exotic quest. Rob Detto. I think instead of wasting dev time on making new exotics, why not buff the 50 plus exotics no one uses? This isn't really a question. This is more of like you're trying to kind of indict them on why would they possibly do this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm good with either decision or why not a both and add some new exotics while also trying to give some good treatment to the ones that don't get used. True Sage. After the mention of Year Four and Five in Destiny Two, do you think there will be a Destiny Three? I think Destiny Three lands in 2022 or 2023. There's no way it's landing next year in 2021. No way. The sun setting makes no sense if they're going to do that. Um, so it's at, le- at the very at the earliest 2022. I would love to see it land in 2023. Vicious. Do you think it's safe to assume that with sun setting, eventually the quality of weapons from the player standards will become a little weak? No, I, it, I don't think so at all. This is the exact opposite of what I think will happen. I think weapons will get better. So. And I'm done beating that dead horse. Read the TWAB. Re- I'm sorry. Read the director's cut. Luke Smith makes it clear what they're trying to do. So I'm, I'm done beating the dead horse to people that don't seem to understand what he's arguing for. Uh, do you think Bungie will remove power from armor and weapons and then just have power based on level on your character? Uh, we argued for this in another video. Beer Pie had this. this is another good idea from him. Slot leveling where as you level up, your slots level up, which would eventually then sunset weapons that can no longer like go up in that slot. It doesn't seem like they're going that route. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going that route. It's the, the infusion being part of sunsetting means that slot leveling is probably not coming. So... Um, the next question is not worth answering. I'll answer it after I conclude Q&A. This was a long one already, so I'm just going to chop it because people are shoving in questions now at the end, like desperate to be like, ooh, questions are at the end, so they're going to shove in real quick ones. I'll answer them, but I'm going to end the podcast. If you're here right now and you enjoyed this segment, segment, remember to click follow and turn on notifications. That's a free way to support me. I stream every day. It's like an interactive podcast. It's family friendly. If you're listening elsewhere, you should probably come in live and be part of these conversations. It's really, really fun. It's really enjoyable. I am going to keep on streaming. Streaming, but I'm going to do an outro. If you're listening elsewhere, you can always come in live. As always, please like, share, and subscribe.